Hey everyone, welcome to Unrefined Women. I am your co-host Agnes. And I'm the other co-host Margaret. This podcast is an ongoing dialogue between two sisters on the topics of spirituality, religious trauma, mental health, family dynamics, and feminism. We're very grateful you could join us today. This week's episode is about mindfulness in the workplace and quiet quitting. I'm sure a lot of you have probably heard this term floating around the internet in the last year or so, and we have been dying to jump into this topic. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's kind of a loaded topic, um, quiet quitting, which we definitely acknowledge in the episode because we talk about like what quiet quitting is in case you've never heard of it, which if you haven't heard of it, what rock have you been living under? Um, and then how it became trendy this year, even though it's something that has kind of always been a thing. Um, and then we talk also about mindfulness, like trying to find mindfulness in in the workplace because we're all trying to survive capitalism right now. And just some of the ways that we've been trying to adopt more positive mindsets when we're faced with the things that we have to do to survive capitalism. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. How do you feel talking about mindfulness in the workplace and quiet quitting? Ooh, I mean, when you told me, I know that we've been kind of discussing this topic quite frequently and pretty often. Um, but when you told me yesterday, you were like, let's do our next episode on this. I kind of panicked a little bit because I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about this because I'm, it's such a roller coaster, you know, like I'm sure everybody else relates. And with any job that you work, especially when it's like a long term, like you, when you work for a company, it's like the first three months are just like weird, right? Like you don't really know people. Oh, yeah, sure. the first three months, it's just like a really weird training period. And then once you get past the three months, it gets easier. But like you get into the groove of it. But after that, you start, it's like definitely a roller coaster. So you have like really good weeks where you're just like on a roll and you just like feel like, you know, you're really comfortable. And then you hit a slump and then you have like a really bad slump where you just like feel insecure about your job where you're like really stressed out or you're not sleeping well, or there's like exterior things that are going on that are affecting your work life and all of that. So I feel like that's just been like a constant thing for me. And it's really weird to talk about mindfulness in the workplace because it's such a up and down thing. Like it's not a consistent concept if that makes sense so today I do feel happy and comfortable talking about it yeah well I think it's important to also state that when you when we talk about mindfulness mindfulness doesn't necessarily mean that like everything around us is in like the condition Mm -hmm. we want it to be or that our relationships whether it's with people or it's our relationship with work or our relationship with ourselves even is in the place that we wish it would it's just learning how to kind of accept what things are right now in the moment and learning how to be present and mindful in that moment even if it means you're just present and present and mindful in the midst of chaos I guess I guess that's how I kind of interpret it um, because I think our relationship with our job is like other relationships in our life with relationships with people, relationships with ourselves. None of those are stagnant things. 
you're never going to have like this fixed or hopefully you're not in this fixed place in your life where you're like, oh, my relationship is good. So therefore I don't have to like do anything now. I can just stop working on my relationship because it's just good. I'm just going to put it on the shelf and it is Mm -hmm. what it is. Like, no, like everything requires cultivating. Um, Everything is constantly evolving and changing and growing. Um, so I think it's, I think it's normal to kind of have that relationship with our work, with our careers, whatever we're doing, um, in life, there's going to be times where we interpret it as, um, really healthy, um, you know, good for us. Um, we're happy, we feel fulfilled. And then there's times where we don't feel those things. And that's just sort of the normal process of life. So Agnes, you shared something with me recently just in a personal or just a private phone call that we were having and you were talking about some of the ways that you've been practicing in your life and have in the past as well. Um, Kind of thinking of work not as this, oh my gosh, it's this thing that I have to go do that's like taking me away from my life and stealing my time to this more positive mindset of, oh, my work is a part of my life. I'm integrating it into my life. It's, it's something, something that I just do that's part mm-hmm. of my day. Can you talk a little bit more about that, that perspective you've been yes. adopting? So I'm sure a lot of us know the book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> and I <Yep. laughs> still have not read like the book cover to cover, but I've like read sections of the book and I've like listened to or watched YouTube videos on him and um I do have a lot of respect for his work and I will eventually read the book cover to cover and I feel like that book when I first was introduced to it I think around last summer um I think I had visited by me yeah (laughs) by you and Casey (laughs) Um, and I started kind of thinking about it a lot and just the power of being present and where our happiness truly comes from and just like also time in general when we think about how much time we have and like where we're what we're doing with our time and the energy that we're putting into our time um and then throughout the years just kind of having that concept in the back of my mind right so I work a full-time job a nine-to-five and that shit's not easy (laughs) It's not easy in the sense that like (laughs) it takes a lot of that's a lot of time to not be at home, you know, and when you're not like when I was younger in high school or whatever and I would think about a nine to five, like one day eventually we're all going to like be either work that schedule or just work 40 hours. And I thought like, oh, whatever, it just is what it is. Like it's what we all do. But once you're actually doing it, you realize how exhausting it can be, especially when you've been working that working that schedule for long periods of time. And you can look back in your life and be like, holy shit, the amount of hours that I have spent at my job and the time that I'm not able to be at home and doing the things that I want to do, especially when you have exterior things that you enjoy. So for me, that would be reading or whatever it is that I enjoy that I would probably rather be doing than working. Like we all have those things. So along with that, there's also the whole concept or just like the thing or whatever we do when we're at work, when we watch the clock and we're like counting down, oh, I only have... 
it's two o'clock. I have three more hours to my day. And you're just like counting down the minutes. Oh my God, it's 430. I only have 30 more minutes to my day. And I realize how toxic that is to just be doing that because I only have a certain amount of time in my life. So why am I going to spend that time counting it down and wishing it away? Right. And Mm-hmm. I hate doing that. It honestly, it genuinely makes me miserable and it makes my job worse than it really is by constantly counting down the hours. And then if I'm going to be spending eight hours of my day wishing it away, then those four hours or whatever the amount of th- that, those, that two day weekend is going to fly by because I can't enjoy it because I'm so used to wishing my hours away. And so I started to cultivate this mindset of not doing that. And it, I, it's a lot of it is perspective. It's it, easier than the done. Like, trust me, I'm not mastered at this at all. But instead of being at work and wishing my hours away, just kind of like finding this sense of peace and being comfortable in my job Because at the end of the, like, almost just like gaslighting yourself into thinking that like, this isn't any different than me hanging out at home. It sounds like really weird to say that, but it has genuinely helped. So like, if I'm going to spend my entire morning devoted to my job, like I need to spend that time knowing that this is also my time. And this is just a part of life. This is a part of schedule. Like, this is not me wasting my time and just kind of keeping that mindset and it honestly has helped me get through my day and I feel like it's also the same thing with school because Margaret also made a comment to me yesterday that she feels like I or she has noticed that I am not resentful towards school because school is something that takes up a lot of my time and energy and it is very very exhausting But at the same time, I don't hold a lot of resentment for it because it's almost like I'm just so used to it that it has just become part of the schedule. And that's like pretty much how I feel about my job as well. And just being able to keep this like peaceful relationship with my job, with school, whatever else it is. It's just like having to go go to the MVD and wait in the line at the MVD. There's nothing you can do about it. You might as well just bring a book along and read your book, you know. I don't know if that made any sense, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it did. Yeah. And I think there was a word that jumped out because you said like, oh, I have to almost gaslight myself. But I mean, I guess what I what came up in my mind was like, is it gaslighting or is it just really shifting your perspective to a point of view that's better serving you and your mental health? Because I think. Because gaslighting is, I think of gaslighting more like when you're in a really toxic environment or you're in a really unhealthy situation where there's abuse happening and then there's this like, either it's either the, the story you tell yourself to cope with it, which, you know, sometimes you have to do that in certain situations to survive. Like that can be a survival mechanism, especially when you're a child. But also when you have someone that's like gaslighting you into believing you're not being abused when you are like that, I think is, is gaslighting. I think what you're talking about is just like accepting that this is a part of my life right now. Like we live in a capitalistic society. Unfortunately, like we do have to adhere to some of that to survive. Mm -hmm. We have to work jobs to make money, to support our basic needs. Um, And so sometimes shifting that perspective a little bit from, Oh, this is this horrible thing that I have to do when it's stealing my time 
to a more positive mindset of this is something um, like I can choose where I work. Like, you know, hopefully a lot of us are able to at least have some say in where we work. So that's a choice that we can make um, and finding power Mm -hmm. in that choice and then trying to um, be more mindful and find meaning and fulfillment or joy, whatever it is that we need, finding that in our work as well. Because I can totally relate to what you said about like watching the clock. And I think that so many of us get stuck in that, like watching the clock at work and watching the time go away. And it really does make it so miserable because um, we're not at all in the present moment at that right. point in time. So I have noticed that there is a huge difference in my happiness uh, levels when I'm more engaged with my work and I'm more present and accepting of the task at hand versus resisting the task at hand and like wanting Mm -hmm. the time to fly by. Yeah. And I think there's a a lot by being able to do that. There are things that you can do to make your work environment more comfortable. And I think this definitely is this is different based on where you work and whether your work environment is toxic or not and we do have some saying where we work but also we don't like there it's like in between and sometimes our workspaces Mm -hmm. are not the most healthy whether it's socially or I mean hopefully it's something as petty as socially if that makes sense and it's not like the job within itself like what you're doing is deteriorating your mental health if that's the case it's best to probably look for another job if you can but for example if you're working for a company and you feel like socially you're just not getting along with people or there's drama happening there are ways to as hard as it can be there are ways to not let that affect you and that's something that through my experience I have had to do and just change my mindset around how I'm socially engaging with these people that I need to be respectful with or be cordial with, if that makes sense, as coworkers. And also just making your work environment comfortable in the sense that you're like for for me, I have under my desk, I have a heater that I love and I turn on my little heater. And that's that makes that makes me feel comfortable and that gives makes me feel like this desk is mine and I'm here like I can sit at my desk and feel comfortable by my feet being warm um also bringing snacks sometimes I'll bring snacks to work and have snacks at work um sometimes if it's like a Friday afternoon put on an airpod and listen to a good song or listen to an audiobook if you have like an extra hour um Sometimes I'll get to the office 30 minutes early and I'll sit at my desk and just read my book. It's just quiet time for me. And just being able to integrate that into my work life, it's almost just like bringing some of my home, some of me into my workplace so that I feel comfortable so that I don't feel like when I go to work, I have to like turn on the switch and become someone else and just completely abandon myself. I know from experience working in fast food or just the food industry, you definitely have to do that because it's so go, go, go. And you have to wear a work uniform and it's just a lot. I feel like it is stricter. It's definitely stricter than working in an office from my personal experience in the sense that like management is not as respectful, I guess I could say. And so that I feel like is deteriorating to feel like you have to abandon yourself in order to get through your day and I think that 
rejecting that idea and being able to still be yourself and feel like yourself while you're at work definitely helps you feel more comfortable. Oh, for sure. I think, I mean, and I think there's pros and cons to both environments because like you work in an office right now and I do work Mm -hmm. like food and beverage industry right now, but I have spent a lot of my career working in an Mm -hmm. office like you. So I'm kind of like seeing both ends of the spectrum. And I feel like when I would work in an office, it was way easier to watch the clock and time would move really slowly. Where in the food industry, like I can't, there's no time to do anything. Like most most of my shift, I have no idea what time it is. Like I lose track of all sense of time. Um, like I hardly ever get to even look at my phone. Like it's so rare that I do. I maybe look at my phone a few times a shift. Um, and it's just for like a second. So I don't even get to like the rest of my life literally pauses when I'm at work. And in a sense, I enjoy that. Like it helps me get into a flow and I just kind of it forces me into the present moment I feel like and it does make the time fly by so in a sense I feel like I enjoy my time more because I'm not on my phone and I'm not staring at the clock and I think that that's the importance of having different types of work environments because my experience because I've been in that sort of environment where it's fast-paced you don't have time to look at your phone and those long days go by fast and I hated it I felt like I was an alien going like I just felt like I was not myself and I would just sit in my car before my shifts just feeling like I had to abandon all like everything about myself and I hated it and now working in the office I definitely understand like some of the things I do spend more time on my phone like there are times you know when you're it's a slow day or whatever. And you're just scrolling through Instagram and I have like at the end of the day, I can reflect back and kind of feel kind of crappy. I feel like looking at your phone kind of gives the same effect as like eating junk food. And so that has also been a battle for me, like having more control over looking at whether I'm looking at my phone or not, um, because it is a little bit more socially acceptable to be on your phone in an office space Mm -hmm. versus in like an environment such as yours. For sure. And I think that just shows the difference between people and how someone may thrive off of that sort of environment and someone else may thrive off of an office environment. So it's definitely, I think that that's what's important about like having jobs throughout high school as shitty as they are. They also do teach us a lot about what we want to do with our lives. And especially in such a crucial time, like high school where you have to figure out what you're going to do, which also is another, that's a whole other topic. Cause like that's controversial, yeah, that's <laughs> but like, cause like I, I don't, I took a gap year and I know you took years where you weren't in college mm-hmm. and I can definitely see how jobs that I've had in high school have taught me so much, which were mostly fast food jobs or, or food service jobs. And now I'm on the complete, I'm in a completely different environment. I'm in the legal field where I can't even fathom going back into a, working in a restaurant So it's definitely important to like get to know yourself a little bit in that (laughs) manner. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, shall we, shall we shift into talking about quiet quitting? Yes. Okay. I'm so excited to talk about this. Okay. So Agnes, why don't you kick us off with talking about the definition of quiet quitting and just kind of how this became trendy this year. Okay. Um, so I'm reading off of an NPR, um, 
article here. It's called The Economics Behind Quiet Quitting and What We Should Call It Instead. And this was published on September 13th of 2022. So in this article, it gives a little bit of the backstory of what quiet quitting is. And it somewhat, I'm sure that there are like, there have been other variations of this, but it, the whole trend of it started from a 20 something year old engineer on TikTok named Zaid Khan. I, don't, I probably butchered his name, um, but he made a video on TikTok talking about quiet quitting. And he said, I recently learned about this term called quiet quitting, where it's not outright quitting your job, but you're quitting the idea of going above and beyond. And he talks a little bit more about this. And this video, I guess, blew up and everybody is now talking about quiet quitting. (laughs) Um, Then also in Japan, there's this concept. It's called shogunin. I probably butchered that too. Um, But it refers to an artisan who is deeply dedicated to his craft and is always striving for perfection in what they make. Quiet quitting is the opposite of that. So it's basically setting boundaries and simply completing the tasks that you're supposed to complete within the time that you're paid to do it with no extra frills. So quiet quitting, it sounds like you're just outright quitting your job or you're just like slowly quitting your job, but it's actually kind of the opposite of what the term says. And quiet quitting is basically not doing extra shit that's not like when I look at it I look at like what your job description is what they tell you your tasks are when you first get hired versus what is expected of you and rejecting those expectations and literally doing what you're paid to do what the job description was and what you signed up for yeah exactly um there was this article that I was reading uh it was from the Atlantic And this was sort of like a different approach. It was talking about like quiet quitting is a fake trend, but there was still like interesting information in there. But something that I read in the article was that, you know, when you look at what quiet quitting actually is, like how you just described it right now, Agnes, really what it is, is just having a job. (laughs) Like when you quiet quit a job, literally what you're doing is stepping back and kind of disentangling your ego and your sense of identity and your sense of worthiness from your job. And you're kind of like creating that healthy boundary and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is just working your job and your job remains what it is. Um, versus like seeping into every aspect of your life and taking over like, and taking energy from you that you didn't sign up to give away. So that I think is kind of an interesting thing to note as well, because when you hear the concept like quiet quitting, like it has kind of a negative connotation to it. Um, and like when I first heard of quiet quitting, I was like, what is that? Like, just, you don't show up to work one day. Like you, it, it's kind of an mm-hmm. interesting catch phrase, I guess. And maybe it's, maybe it's intentionally that way. Like maybe it's intentionally kind of grabs your attention. So that way you look at it a little bit more like closely. Um, but yeah. And I think something else that I noticed in this article by the Atlantic, they were talking about how, um, when you use the term quiet quitting in a way it can like benefit employers because it sort of like feeds into that narrative that like people have been going off about for the last year. Like, Oh, millennials don't want to work. Gen Z doesn't want to work. Why is everybody so lazy? Why is nobody working? Oh, look, they're all quiet quitting. See, what did I say? So it's almost like feeding into that narrative um, versus like 
understanding that the fact that people have to quiet quit their jobs, it's like it kind of points at the systemic issues we have going on and the lack of union representation for workers and um, recognizing that quiet quitting is not like a person being lazy. It's a person like taking back their energy and drawing that boundary line. So it's kind of an interesting conversation, I feel like, that's going on around quiet quitting. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think that this also um, has to do with the concept of burnout, which Mm -hmm. every single human being has dealt with, whether it's school, job, our social lives, whatever. And burnout, I feel like from my experience, has been caused by trying to do more than I'm supposed to do and just going above and beyond and doing those extra tasks and then end up getting burnt out. But by doing or participating in quiet quitting, you're, I just think of it like you're balancing out your energy so that you can continue to give to your employer what is owed due to what they pay you. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, because if you just go, 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 and you're just constantly doing above and beyond, you're going to burn out. And then you're going to end up doing even less than the bare minimum because you're burnt out, right. which then is going to cause issues in your job. Right. Well, and probably cost the and company you work for even more money in the long run. Exactly. Exactly. By you being burnt out or having to take off days or just ultimately outright quitting your job Mm -hmm. because you are literally so mentally drained and burned out from this job versus quiet quitting. You're able to balance out this energy so that you can continue to show up at work the next day and give what is expected of you so that it's, it's a fair trade. You know, like that's how I see it in my brain because there have been experiences in my life where I felt like in in other jobs where I felt like my, what I was giving in my job was more than I signed up for. And I just outright, I asked for a pay raise and I was able to get that because of, and I think that's a, that's like a whole other conversation. There's definitely like podcast episodes out there about getting compensated for what you're doing. And I think that along with quiet quitting it's also getting paid for what's due. And even if you're stepping back from your task, I definitely think that there can be grounds as well to get paid more or to ask for a pay raise, especially right now with like the economy and inflation. And that's like a whole other thing. I'm not going to I'm going to spare everybody the details, but there's definitely grounds for that. And I think that a lot of this is about being confident in your skill because so often I think that especially in this generation we have spent so much of our lives looking up at like the CEOs the high-paying lawyers the surgeons like all these people that are like doing the thing and we're looking up at them and we just like see them as like this god and we just want to like we spend all of this money on education all this energy on trying to get to that point and now we're all in our 20s and 30s and we're realizing that we're either never going to get to that point or we are at that point and it is not paying off in the way that we want to have that pay off. Mm-hmm. And instead of feeling insecure about that, we're actually changing the narrative and thinking, you know what? I am confident in my skill and I have worked hard and 
even though I'm not exactly where I wish I was, I still think that I'm a good worker. And I think that once people, which is, I feel like this whole trend has, has caused people to realize there's to be confident in their skill and own up to it and not be afraid to go to their employer or exert that energy in owning your skill, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has completely changed the workforce because now instead of people just constantly putting themselves down and trying to be better and better instead we're saying, you know what? I'm good. I'm good at what I do. And I'm just going to every day give what I can. And if that's not good enough, what are they going to do? You know, they're not going to fire you. (laughs) And if they do, there are so many other jobs out there. So I don't know. It's definitely, I think it's like about owning your power for sure. Yeah. Now I do want to also talk about how quiet quitting is something that has become trendy and mainstream this year, mainly because it's caught the attention of white people. And that seems Mm -hmm. to be a thing like that is definitely like a trend I've noticed. So let's think about like everything that happened with George Floyd. So like 2020, all the civil unrest going on, more awareness around um, Black Lives Matter, really like that came into prominence in the in the mainstream media because suddenly white people took an interest in it. Now, that doesn't mean it's not like suddenly in 2020, um, there was this huge surge in black lives being murdered and um, uh, like police violence. Like this had been going on. This has always been going on, but it's only in 2020 right. when suddenly people started actually looking at it and going, Oh, maybe there's a problem. Mm-hmm. So this tends to be a, a, a reoccurring pattern where things only become mainstream when white people or like people in power start to actually acknowledge something. So quiet quitting is actually Mm -hmm. not like a new concept. I think it's just like a new word that we've put to something that probably people have been doing for a long time. Specifically, people in marginalized communities have had to use quiet quitting before that word even existed to protect themselves, like and protect their energy and protect their labor, because historically their energy and labor has been completely exploited. Like, again, whole other topic right there. But at the same time, as we're talking about quiet quitting, there is also a disparity around who has the privilege to quiet quit. Not everyone has Mm -hmm. that privilege. So I think it is important to recognize that quiet quitting is also kind of a privilege, which is so shitty that that's a thing. Um, So looking again at like marginalized communities, I found this article on the Muse and it was talking about how um, black people and like black women um, are not always able to quiet quit because when you're working in like a work environment there's here's like a quote by ella washington she says people of color often live by the adage that you have to work twice as hard to get half as far and so it is kind of a privilege to be able to work a little bit less or like draw that boundary line and still be able to move up in a company and still be promoted or not get fired Because there's people that feel like they literally have to work twice as hard as everybody else around them just to survive. So a part of this Muse article I found that I'm actually going to read directly, I thought was really interesting. 
It says, let's take race and gender as examples. Women continue to be underrepresented in high-ranking positions, with women, men of color, and women of color especially losing ground at every step up the ladder from entry level to C-suite. Women of color report facing microaggressions, slower or no job progress, and othering, being treated as atypical because of their race and gender. And even when black women reach leadership positions, they face harsher criticism. Women, and especially women of color, are also more likely to report they get stuck doing office housework that may or may not fall within their job descriptions. Women who say no tend to suffer negative repercussions spared for white male colleagues who do the same. So I think that's like also something that's really important to recognize. Um, Also from the muse, another kind of quote further on down the article, across all of across all of my work, I see a confidence gap foundation says. So this was that, um, This is one of the people that was being interviewed for the article. People who come from stable or privileged backgrounds approach interviews with a sense of confidence or even overconfidence. Individuals from less privileged or any marginalized background are not only a lot more humble, but also every step forward they take in the process is met with overwhelming gratitude. These confidence gaps, along with imposter syndrome in the sense that you can't afford to pull back from doing extra work and exceeding expectations, aren't self-imposed burdens. They are a result of systemic racism, sexism, classism, ableism, and other biases. So I think that that's like really, to me, that struck a chord because I feel like when I felt comfortable to be able to set boundaries with my work, um... I have only felt comfortable to set those boundaries after I've already like completely over exceeded myself and like over exceeded how much energy Mm -hmm. I'm giving. And I feel like I have finally won the approval of my, of my bosses. Only then do I feel Mm -hmm. like I actually have the privilege to be able to like step back and set boundaries. And so what about for folks that never have been able to receive approval from people higher up? What if you, your entire career, you've just been fighting and fighting and fighting and like working, overextending yourself constantly just to get met with the bare minimum amount of income, the bare minimum amount of praise? How is that person going to feel empowered to be able to set those boundaries? So I think it is really important to like acknowledge that side of the conversation as well. Right. And I also think like our generation as well are seeing the psychological effects that that scenario has had on our parents and that age group because there are people that I have seen in my life that have devoted their entire lives to companies that have just given them the bare minimum and have not been paying them well. And I think that also a shift with quiet quitting is that in the past, there was a lot of pride in your position of like what your job position is, where you work. And I feel like companies felt like that was part of the pay. So they might be paying you like shit, but at the same time, you're a operations manager or executive, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you have, or you're working at a nice company and they, f- I think that there is this mindset of, we're not only paying you the salary, but 
to make up for the low salary we're going to also give you this title that like you can now brag to people. I don't know if that makes sense, but like I, I feel like it's also kind of the same psychology of like an unpaid internship or a mm-hmm. low paying internship at a really fancy company. Mm-hmm. And they think that that title of working at that company is part of what you're being paid. But now people don't give a shit. Like nobody now gives a shit about where they work or what they do. People only care about what they're being paid. This is a really weird example, but I live in uh, a, I live in Gilbert, Arizona, which is like a section of Arizona or the Phoenix Valley. And it's uh, like, there are a lot of wealthy people. This is a wealthier part of town. And from what I've observed of living in this town for about two months now, is that a lot of these people are small business owners and they um, own small businesses. One of my neighbors it works for a company where they literally go to people's houses and pick up dog poop. <laughs> <laughs> Yet they live in a nice house and a nice part of town. And I feel like that proves where pe- that people don't give a fuck about the title. They don't care about the company they just care about what is paying them well. If picking rich people's dog poop off their yard is what's going to pay their bills and give them a nice house, they're going to do it, you know? And nowadays, I think that a lot of the younger generations are realizing that they may be working for a nice company, but they're not getting a salary that's going to pay for their lifestyle or especially with just how expensive everything is. So many times we see people that are rejecting the fancy company and instead working for whatever is going to pay them the most. And I think that's why we see a rise in people working in the trades versus going to college because Mm -hmm. a lot of people that work in the trades end up making an equal amount or a higher salary than people that are getting degrees. So there's definitely a shift in that psychology. Um, So just to go back a little bit to like the criticism of quiet quitting in the same article that I mentioned before by NPR they give a section here that's like the reaction of quiet quitting for people that are against quiet quitting and I'm actually just going to read it straight off but there's this quote here it says quiet quitting isn't just about quitting on a job it's a step towards quitting on life complains Ariana Huffington arguing quiet quitters would be better serving finding jobs they are passionate about and then another quote says people who shut down their laptop at five they don't work for me says business thinkfluencer kevin o'leary in a c cnbc video i hope they work for my competitor and from what i'm like reading from this i think the first one definitely has a little bit of depth in the saying that why are people quiet quitting when instead they should be exerting their energy and finding something they're passionate about? I can kind of understand that because I know that passion is a very important topic when we're ta- when discussing careers because obviously you want to have those both hand in hand. However, like I just mentioned, people aren't they don't really care about that anymore. People just want to be paid well. They want to be able to feed their family and have an extra income. And then the extra, the other quote that I said here about people who shut down their laptops at five, they don't work for me. I hope they work for my competitor. That just definitely pushes my buttons a little bit though, because like, like explained here, this is a business influencer. This is somebody that's probably 
already like is a, a CEO, a business owner, somebody that isn't the working class. And I feel like there's like just from reading these articles and doing research, I think that the difference or the difference in reactions to quiet quitting is based off of who is the business owner and who is the employee. Mm -hmm. And that's where the difference is. For sure. Now, I think something too that I was going to, I was going to jump in a second ago when you were talking about, um, oh, people who quiet quit are just a step closer to quiet quitting from work. And then you were mentioning how like people don't care about the status as much anymore. Like we just want to get paid. Mm -hmm. I think something that's really important to also understand is that I think people do care about working about like finding something they're passionate about. I think people do to some degree care about the title that is important, but I think it's also important to recognize the time we're in right now. Like we are at a time where we just came out of a global pandemic. In some ways we're still kind of in it. Um, uh, Inflation is at an all time high. We're like heading into a recession. People are really, really um, trapped in scarcity mindsets because of all the things happening in the world and in climate change, whole other thing. So we're kind of in this point where everyone's in survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, as a way to protect yourself, you sometimes have to let go of things like, oh, a meaningful job, you know, um, working in something I'm passionate about. And you have to kind of revert back to the basics as to, I just need a paycheck that's going to pay my bills and put food on the table and keep a roof over my head. That is like all I can focus on right now. That is all I have the bandwidth and capacity mm-hmm. to look at. So I think we're kind of trapped in that place. Now, when people do have their basic needs met, um, when you do have enough money to survive, then it opens up the energetic space to be able to expand out and go, okay, now my basic needs are getting taken care of. I don't have to spend so much energy and brain power focusing on that. Now I can focus on more on what am I passionate about? Um, what is a, a career field or what is an organization that I feel I can become a part of and it's going to be me becoming part of something greater than myself. Like what kind of good can I give to the world? Um, And that's kind of like looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like when you have your basic needs met, then you can focus more energy on like the relationships around you. When the relationships around you are secure, you're then able to focus more on self-actualizing and actually giving back to the community. Mm -hmm. But with capitalism, we're all so stuck in like not even having our basic needs met that none of us are actually able to self-actualize. We're not even able to access parts of our brain that are actually going to make the world a better place because we're so stuck we're so trapped and just trying to survive. So I think that's important as well. Like when we talk about that, like, Oh, if you're quiet quitting, you're quitting on life. It's like, no, people are just trying to fucking survive right now. (laughs) Like, yeah. In an ideal world, we're all going to be able to be passionate with our jobs and be able to give back to the community. But most of us are like, we can't even get there right now because of so many systems of oppression and capitalism. Yep. It's like having a career that you're passionate in has always been a goal for so many people, including myself. And especially when we're younger and considering what we want to go to college for, what we want to do, we're not only thinking like there are a lot of things to consider. And I think that something that your passion is, you know, in like the top three, like there's money, passion, and then like accessibility to the job. Um, And I think that now we kind of view that 
as in a luxury, but almost an unnecessary luxury. I just had like the really weird comparison of like having a Roomba, like a Roomba vacuum. Because <laughs> like, I remember when those were created and everyone was like, oh my God, I want a Roomba. And then we go on Amazon and they're like, f- the cheap ones are like $500. And then we all bought Roombas, like $500 Roombas. And they're like going around our house and vacuuming our house. And then they get clogged up with hair and then you're throwing it away like a month later. <laughs> Or never using it again because that was me. And it's almost like we're just at a point now where, yes, it must be nice to have a career that we're passionate about. And even with myself, like working in the legal field, I'm very passionate about that. However, being passionate about your career as a whole versus actually showing up at work every day and doing the work is very different. And you do face burnout, you know, and burnout, you, you might not be burnt out from your passion, but you can be burnt out from the mundane tasks, driving to work, sitting in five o'clock traffic, taking phone calls, dealing with assholes, filing paperwork, like all of that stuff that causes burnout. That's not a lack of passion. That's just being in um, an American workspace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really true. Well, should we segue into our gratitude prompts? <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. Margaret, what are you grateful for today? Um, Let's see. I am grateful for the change in season right now. I feel like I'm really enjoying fall. I'm enjoying how like in the evening time, like the temperatures drop a little bit and it's not cold yet, but it's just that like crisp feeling and there's leaves and everything is pumpkin. I am totally that white bitch. I don't care. I totally own it. I love pumpkin (laughs) everything. So I'm enjoying that right now. How about you, Agnes? What are you grateful for Mm -hmm. today? This morning, I am grateful for coffee. (laughs) I went and got coffee this morning and when I opened the front door I just was so surprised and it was pouring down rain which was like really weird because we had monsoon season and then it didn't rain for like a month and then I opened the door this morning and it was just pouring down rain which was like kind of annoying because I was like not dressed for it but I'm grateful for it anyway so because it like smelled really good it like smelled like rain I love that smell (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay I guess that's it We believe in the power of taking even one minute a day to breathe and find gratitude in the little things. Wherever you are, if you are able, close your eyes, take a deep breath in and out, and reflect on something that you are grateful for today. We are so honored that you could join us in this discussion today, and we hope you have a beautiful week.
If you enjoyed today's Unrefined Woman podcast episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. To check out other episodes, please visit our website at unrefinedwoman.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. To stay in the loop and receive access to additional content, please follow us on TikTok, username Unrefined Woman, and on Instagram at Unrefined Woman Podcasts. Special thanks to Walter Birdsong for the album cover, Margaret Rainey for our podcast music, Andrew Cioni for our gratitude prompt music, and Sean Butcher for editing and production. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.